Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We're in our 22nd year here on Voice America and so proud to be here. This is the program that shows you how to turn your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and make your dreams come true. And today we're talking about the Greenhouse Project, which is has helped organizations around the United States and now around the world to build small home alternatives to traditional nursing homes. And we're talking with Susan Ryan, who serves as the CEO of the Center for Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and Pioneer Network. Welcome, Susan. Patricia, it is such a delight to be with you today. I'm really honored to be a guest on your show. Thanks so much. Let's uh, tell the audience a little bit about you. So as we said, Susan Ryan serves as CEO of the Center of Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and Pioneer Network, leading the organization on its mission to fundamentally transform elder care in America and around the world. As a member of the Greenhouse team since 2008, Susan Ryan has become an internationally recognized leader in long-term care reform with a particular focus on the organization's vision for small home elder care campuses that provide person-directed alternatives to traditional nursing homes. Throughout her 35-year career in elder care, Susan Ryan has been active in a variety of other culture-changing movements, including efforts to eliminate the use of inhumane physical restraints in nursing homes and the expansion of home and community-based services. All right. So welcome again, Susan. I want to ask you to explain exactly what the Greenhouse Project is and how it started. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and it's a, a wonderful story. It was Dr. Bill Thomas, a geriatrician in New York State. You kind of have to go way back into the 90s when he was a geriatrician in a nursing home in upstate New York. He walked in as the physician, the medical director there, to really see a person who had a rash on her arm, a resident living in a nursing home. He saw the rash and he said, okay, I can prescribe something for that rash. But as he was writing that prescription on her chart, she tugged at his sleeve and pulled him down and said to him, doctor, I am so lonely. And it was at that moment that he recognized that what he was writing in her chart was not going to address what she described as profound loneliness. And so he would embark then on a path that started what we know as the Eden Alternative and really creating an alternative to those institutional environments where he wanted to eradicate what he would call loneliness, helplessness, and boredom as being really the the big plagues in nursing homes. So the Eden Alternative, those 10 principles were combating those plagues and really wanting to bring social connection, really wanting to bring life and vigor into those sterile environments. Well, as he went around talking about the beauty of the Eden Alternative, and that too is a global movement, he did notice that nursing homes were aging more quickly than those that lived there. And he thought, 
we've got to have something better. And what would the ideal environment look like to really enable elders to live, grow, and thrive? Mm -hmm. And so it was that thought process that said, if we were building something new, what would we build? And he came up with a concept, go figure, of real home, not a home-like environment, which most traditional buildings would tout that they offer a home-like environment, but this was real home and a real home is smaller. And so you're looking at a small house, 10 or 12 private rooms. Each room has its own shower and it's centered around an open concept kitchen and hearth area. Dr. Thomas would call it food on one end and fireplace on the other end. And that was the hearth. Mm, so interesting. So when he came up with this, and you said it was in the 90s, then it took, uh, because this really created, was created in 2003. Right. So it took all of those years. Now, how did they come up with this concept that you talked about in terms of the rooms and the bathrooms and the home and the hearth? Did you have architects? Did you have people who were designing? How, who was the team behind this initially? Well, you know, it's it's really remarkable that I think Dr. Thomas really was able to, in his mind, he would always say he started with a blank sheet of paper. And from there, he really thought about what does it look like? And I mean, I'm sure that he saw things in his work that inspired him to think more tangibly about what it would look like. But to your point, you know, it really took a leader willing to embrace a concept who would go out and do it. But it also took an architect who was willing to take his ideas from a concept to actually, this is what it could look like. And so it really was a collaborative team that kind of put it together. And then really, how do we operationalize it? Because it's not just the physical environment that I described, which is so wonderful. You have food in the home cooked in that house, not in a central kitchen coming into a dining room, but it's in somebody's home. And so it's the philosophical culture that moves in. And it really is what about the workforce and how do we create empowered teams, mm -hmm. those working closest to the elder to be able to be in relationship and to support them to live an empowered life. So in the beginning, after you had the design, then how did you sell this and how did you come up with the funding? Um, was it government funding? Was it private funding? Did you go to individuals and say, here's a concept? I mean, because this is a, a, a quite a departure from a traditional nursing home. So again, talk about how you sold the concept and the funding behind it. Sure. So Dr. Thomas uh, would, I'll say famously, walk into the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to sell his idea to them. And they they liked it. They had an initiative for vulnerable population and the replication initiative from 2005 to 2010 um, achieved a $10 million donation from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to really, they wanted to see a greenhouse model in every state. They said, if we can get a model in every state so people can come and see, it can be done. Let's work through the state barriers. Let's work through the federal bar barriers and let's ensure let's get one in every state. And so that's what that $10 million was intended to do, but not to inform give the capital, but it really was to create 
a project team that would do the technical assistance and really kind of codify, if you will, this is what it is. And this is the education, the architecture and design support, everything necessary to see that it replicates successfully. So that was the first um, tranche of grant funding that uh, the art organization got. So, so now if somebody wanted to be part of the greenhouse project, right, which is an alternative to a nursing home, is it private pay? Do they pay on their own or is there government assistance for this? Well, because they are licensed as a skilled nursing home, there is government assistance. There's Medicaid as a payer and there's Medicare as a payer and there are private pay. So it's important for the organization that has embraced the concept to determine what is their state Medicaid reimbursement rate. And so what percentage of um, Medicaid reimbursement will they have in their payer mix? What about private pay? What can they charge from a private pay perspective? And will they do rehab, which is funded by Medicare short-term services? And so they will really work with us uh, we have a financial feasibility model to determine how do we make achieve viability? What are the development costs? What are the operating costs? What is the payer mix we need to achieve to in order to have viability? Mm. So, that, so all three payers, um, some long-term care insurances will be a payer in all of this if they're private pay. So, you know, when I, when I, I know the background, where I'm, I'm seeing pictures of this as we speak, and they're, they're they're beautiful, beautiful spaces. The question is, you know, is there a waiting list for people? Because you would think that older adults would love this concept. So the question is, is there a waiting list for the majority of of greenhouse homes? Absolutely. Um, some have said, you know, our waiting list got so long that we thought there's no way we can, their, their need is going to manifest before we have a bed available. And so some have stopped the waiting list because others have had to find solutions because the need emerged more quickly. Um, you're absolutely right. We've got consumer research that shows that family members would prefer to have their loved one in a greenhouse home compared to a traditional home. They're willing to drive farther. They're willing to pay more to ensure that they would have a respectable place. Mm. Right. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I think a major question is what sets the green homes apart from traditional nursing homes and why aren't there more green homes or greenhouse homes? So I think that's something that we, that we want to talk about when we come back. Let me share a few more things about uh, the greenhouse project Again, since 2003, the Greenhouse Project has helped organizations around the world to build small home alternatives to traditional nursing homes. With all private rooms and bathrooms, residential kitchens, and unfiltered access to the outdoors, greenhouse homes create empowering care communities for no more than 12 elders each. Today, nearly 400 greenhouse homes serve more than 4,000 elders. So again, we're going to talk more about this with Susan when we come back. But I think that the bottom line here is this pioneer network, which the Greenhouse Homes is part of, founded in 1997, works to change the culture of all elder care settings, from nursing homes to assisted living communities and memory care centers. This is a grassroots groups of elders, family members, advocates, ombudsmen, and providers, and they infuse 
person-directed care practices, even into the most institutional style buildings. And the whole goal here is to redefine aging and put elders back in control of their lives, no matter where they call home. So on that note, we're going to take a break. And again, going back to Susan, Susan Ryan serves as the CEO of the Center for Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and Pioneer Network. And again, they're leading, it's their mission is to lead transformation in elder care in America and around the world. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back welcome back to the patricia raskin positive living show right here on voiceamerica.com america's voice and today we're talking about the greenhouse project and pioneer network and we're also talking about the center for innovation which is the nonprofit home of two organizations the greenhouse project and the pioneer network since 2003 the greenhouse project has helped organizations around the united states and around the world to build small home alternatives to traditional nursing homes. And we're talking with Susan Ryan, who serves as the CEO of the Center for Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and the Pioneer Network. And again, this is leading the organization on its mission to fundamentally transform elder care in America and around the world. Welcome back, Susan. Thank you so much. All right. What sets the Greenhouse Project apart from traditional nursing homes? You know, as I described the physical environment, I think it's rather clear. I think everybody has an idea, concept of what it looks like, what it smells like when you walk into a traditional building. It feels like an institution. It does not feel like a real home. So fundamentally, that 
physical design, what you see, what you smell, what you're able to do. That's what you're going to feel in a greenhouse home. It's a real home. Elders sit around one table. They have access to food, to nutrition, to when they want to eat um, 24-7. They've got the ability to get outside and to experience the opportunity to be mobile, to feel fresh air, the sunshine. During COVID, that was a pretty significant opportunity that not everybody in traditional homes had that opportunity. But I think, as I alluded to earlier, the culture is so unique in a greenhouse home. It really is valuing the intrinsic worth of each individual that lives there, no matter what their diagnosis. But it's really seeing the person and really embracing who that person is to enable them to live a meaningful and purposeful life Mm. to the end of their life. And last but not least, it's the staff. And it's that staff, you know, flattening the hierarchy and giving more voice to the person working closest to that elder. So he or she can support them to live a meaningful life. And what are some of the conditions that uh, the elder elders come into the home with? Is it cognitive? Is it physical? Can be all of the above. Um, we did some research uh, several years ago, but when we we're looking at cognitive status of those in greenhouse homes. 85% were living with mild to severe cognitive impairment, some form of dementia. Um, many of them were are mobile and they're able to get around, but their cognition li- limits their ability to live alone. And then I think the usual frailty that you might see in a traditional nursing home um, those are diagnoses and people that would be supported in a greenhouse home. We do find, though, that because of the shorter distances in a small home versus an institution or a traditional building, um, we see folks that are able to regain some mobility and move from their bedroom to participate in a meal um, by walking as opposed to using a wheelchair our distances. I mean, when you think about those long hallways in a traditional building and how hard it would be for a person to walk to the dining room from their room that's at the end of the hall versus uh, to the dining room versus somebody living in a greenhouse home and from their room, it's just steps to the dining room where they can sit at a long table and really experience community and the fellowship of being with people around the table. Yeah, which is really very special. When you are selecting the people uh, to enter the program or come in, do you look at a personality or do you look at um, composition of the group? Yeah, another great question. I think it varies on each organization. And I think you've got to think about the clinical complexity of who's living in that house right now. And how do we make sure that, um, and typically a greenhouse development would have more than one house. Um, I think our smallest greenhouse community has two homes. And so you've got to think about who's living in one house versus another house. And what does that fit really look like? And to your point, personality, um, do we have a larger than normal uh, number of men living in one house. And might it be nice to have, you know, more men really experiencing some of that synergy. You have to really know who the individuals are and really understand beyond their diagnosis, what's the best fit. But really, 
understanding the needs of the team and how you can really support them and not having one house be much more clinically complex than the other. Yeah. So for example, you wouldn't have most of the people in one house with cognitive impairment. You might have some, but then you maybe have others who have strong cognitive skills, but then may have physical challenges. That's a a great example. And for the most part, we have what we call an integrated um, model that we really believe that one should not be segregated by their diagnoses and um, recognize the fact that the older we get, the likelihood of dementia or Alzheimer's increases. And so as one is aging in that home, growing older, we don't want to say, well, now you've got cognitive impairment, so you need to move to another house. This is home for life. And that's another concept that we believe is important. Um, It becomes harder and harder to move the older we get. And so it should be home for life. Um, no matter as your cognition changes or your physical needs change, let's do everything we can to support you to the end of your life. Right. And so if you have someone who maybe was private pay and now can't be private pay anymore, you do what you can to help them get funding. Right. And so that's why these homes um, are typically always duly licensed, certified as Uh, Medicaid and Medicare eligible. So when that happens, they're able to be supported by uh, Medicaid funding. And uh, yes, we we do everything we can to ensure that we're not creating a model just for the people that have the wherewithal to pay privately, that we do believe that this is just the right way to do elder care as one's needs increase. Why aren't there more greenhouse homes and what can leaders do to encourage increased development? I ask myself that question all the time. And so here's, you know, as I've I've thought about that question a lot, um I'm going to I'm going to start with ageism. I think that fundamentally when I look at where our government spending goes, aging is not a high priority. And I think ageism informs the lack of funding. We will spend money on what we value most. So what do we value most? Is it the eldest among us? No, I don't think, I think if you look at our government spending, you'll see that we don't uh, put our, our money where our eldest in society will need that level of support. So I think, you know, it is an underfunded um, system. And so the next thing that I'm going to say, there is a complacency sometimes and a mindset of efficiency where we become, where I think we have said um, mm-hmm. as providers, this is the system, it's good enough. And, you know, some have said even to me that, well, they've got dementia, they won't even know if it's a private room or not. And so it's those stigmas, those stereotypes, and even that complacency, it's good enough. And I would argue that COVID showed us it was not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that uh, a large percentage of deaths from COVID c- occurred in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And so it did not do well for us. And this is our opportunity to do some things differently. So how will we fund differently? How will we build differently? How will we incentivize what we want to see in our Medicaid reimbursement? Why not reimburse for quality, give a quality incentive 
why not reimburse for private rooms? If we know from research that private rooms are better, why aren't we spending more to ensure that nursing homes have more private rooms? Why aren't we giving incentives from on financing to think about how do we give good terms? Because if we know those are the things that make a difference to making these homes viable, we should be incenting those things. And I believe it sends uh, it it generates a savings to the system. And can we write to our legislators and say just that? Absolutely. That is the call to action. And I think we've got to, it, this is our opportunity to be very vocal. Um, when I read the headlines in 2020, that nursing homes were death pits. It talk about a pit in my stomach. I mean, I was outraged and I expected then there would be an outrage from consumers. And when I think about you and I were talking about boomers before the podcast started, and I think about boomers out there, let your voices be known. Um, this is not right. And we have the opportunity to let those we elect to office know about this. It's time for reform. Yeah, absolutely. And also, when we come back, we'll talk about why one of the arguments might be that many elders want to receive care at home and not go anywhere, even though the place may be beautiful. So we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about culture change and how, you know, and how can elders and family members bring culture change into their communities. So we're going to talk about that next with Susan Ryan. And Susan Ryan is the CEO of the Center for Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and the Pioneer Network, which leads the organization on its mission to fundamentally transform elder care in America and around the world. As a member of the Greenhouse team since 2008, Susan Ryan has become an internationally recognized leader in long-term care reform with a particular focus on the organization's vision for small home elder care campuses that provide person-directed alternatives to traditional nursing homes. And we'll continue our conversation right after the break. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are talking to Susan Ryan, CEO of the Center for Organization, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and Pioneer Network. And we're talking about the Greenhouse Project, which started in 2003 and has helped organizations around the United States and around the world to build small home alternatives to traditional nursing homes. Welcome back, Susan. Thanks again. All right. So having said everything you've said about the Greenhouse Project, which are these wonderful small home alternatives and people have community and they have beautiful spaces to live. Why should we focus on nursing home reform when a lot of elders today really want to receive care at home? They want to age in place. They want to be in their home. Well, first of all, I mean, who wouldn't want to age in place in their own home, especially when the alternative is that traditional setting? So that's number one. There aren't those small home alternatives that are accessible to everybody who would want them, or they might not even know they exist if there is one in their community. That's the first thing. The second thing that I would say, my background, I happen to be a nurse, and my background, um, there was a time when I did everything to keep people out of nursing homes. And I did everything I could to keep people in their own homes, believing that that's where they needed to be. And I love home care. I love doing everything we can to keep people really thriving or flourishing in their own home. The reality is right now is that our infrastructure is not there to really be able to do it. I went back into long-term care because I determined it was cost prohibitive to keep people at home to the end of their life many times, or it was socially isolating. And I think, you know, what are the services and supports that can really engender that level of community, that sense of connection, really being able to deliver those opportunities for one to live well in their own home? We're not there for everybody yet. Do we need to do some more work there? Absolutely. And I 100% support that. But I will tell you, in all my years of decades of nursing, I will tell you that we need both. Mm -hmm. And we need dignified, humane opportunities for people to live well as they grow older. And that, that means nursing homes as well, which is why I am so passionate about the work we do with Greenhouse to make sure there's a dignified, humane alternative that really feels like a real home you get that sense of community and purpose, you're able to live well. Is it your own home? No, you've. it's required a move, but it really is supporting you in the best way possible when home isn't, with all the services and supports, um, not yet able to support you. And many times, staying in your own home is too much of a burden in terms of size and upkeep. And, you know, and having people come into the home all the time. So it's, and also to safety, safety. Exactly. 
know, making adjustments. So there, there's a lot of issues there where it's just much more feasible all the way around to have something smaller and more cohesive and with community involved, as you Absolutely. said. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about culture change and how can elders and family members bring this whole culture change into their communities? Well, culture change is really kind of the umbrella term, if you will, to everything we're doing uh, with greenhouse development. But culture change more broadly is really shifting the the culture and deinstitutionalizing, destigmatizing the care that's happening in traditional environments. And it really, I mean, again, we've got to shift our beliefs and our mindsets and really get in touch with the fact that many of our practices are ageist. And many of the things we are doing for elders is based on a very ageist and institutionalized system. And so we've got to kind of fundamentally start there. And if we can't get to greenhouse homes, if we are land constrained, we're capital constrained, we just built the building 20 years ago, it's got useful life in it, we can't tear it down and do something different. But you can do something you can bring culture change and cultural transformation into those environments. And you can really shift the philosophical culture. You can really think about how do we break down that long hallway into a smaller neighborhood? What what are the available resources we can do to just break it down and to really shift our thinking about the workforce that will support those neighborhoods. Think about the elders that are living there. How do we really embrace the person, both mm-hmm. that's living there and that's working there, and really place value on both and really create something via culture change principles to take us there? I think that, and I think part of the culture change is also long uh, lifelong learning, where people are learning new things and traveling. And, and I think we've had a stigma with older people are, you know, are sedentary and they're sitting and they're not learning and growing. And that's really not true at all with older people, particularly baby boomers. Well, you, you bring up growth, which is uh, definitely part of that philosophical culture we're talking about. And Greenhouse was so named because a greenhouse that we know that grows plants mm-hmm. produces optimal growth in plants Greenhouse, two words, is growth in people, those that live there and those that work there. And to your point, it really is countering the beliefs that say, but they're they're too old. They don't they can't grow anymore. They can't learn anything. It's amazing to see what people can learn um, into their older years, into even cognitive decline. It's pretty impressive what we've seen happen. Mm-hmm. And and people are in, in today's world, with all of our medical breakthroughs and our technological breakthroughs, people will live to 100. Our children will live to 100, where we haven't seen that before. So we will have more and more opportunities for people as they get older to learn and grow. Absolutely. And that it's so exciting to see the opportunities through virtual reality and Yes, some of the um, other systems that we've brought into greenhouse home. It's never too late is one where they can really connect with other people in other greenhouse communities. They can connect. There are groups of veterans that get together and do different things. They can do kind of a flight simulator. And there's just lots of really engaging ways to really ensure that people are, are living with some meaning and purpose 
And I think artificial intelligence is coming into this today too, with robotic technology, you know, where the robot can actually be programmed to talk to the person. And so that can be helpful too. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, technology can do. And I think my only caution with technology is to make sure that we don't eliminate our need for social connection. And I think, you know, as people and um, certainly during COVID, I think we all learned how important it was. I mean, we're on Zoom now, and it's wonderful that we can connect. And that's where technology is fascinating. And I learned so much to appreciate about it. But I can tell you that um, how excited I was to do a conference again and to see people and, and to actually sit across the table with people. And certainly as we grow older um, and that social isolation you know, a robot can only go so far to really bring that companionship and that the warmth of a human that comes in human to human interaction. So it's going to be, it's important that we, well, let me just first preface it to say that typically um, long-term care has been slow to embrace technology. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really kind of up our ante and say that we need to be open to technology as a good solution. And we need to know how to vet technology to ensure that those values of humanness and our humanity that don't get discarded um, in favor of technology. I mean, it's very similar to social media. Social media has a wonderful place, but if all you're doing is social media, then you're you're distancing because you're no, you're you're not having that same human connection. So it's it's all of this is important, but doing it as you said in moderation and with a lot of thought behind it. Exactly, can really make a difference. All right. Um, when we come back, we're going to take a break. We're going to ask Susan to share some of the stories that she has heard about amazing elders. Um, she also has a podcast through the Greenhouse Project and interviews some amazing people over 70, 80, 90, who were doing incredible things. So when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the future of positive aging and and, and really how we can help each other um, to grow and change in a very positive way in our older adult years. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Let me share a little bit more about the Greenhouse Network again. Um, as we have said, The Pioneer Network, which is behind this, um, founded in 1997, works to change the culture of all elder care settings, from nursing homes to assisted livings and memory care centers. The grassroots group of elders and its family members and advocates and ombudsmen and providers, they are working with person-direct care practices, even in the most institutional-style buildings. And the whole goal here is to redefine aging and to put elders back in control of their lives wherever they call home. And each greenhouse home empowers care communities for no more than 12 elders each. Today, there are nearly 400 greenhouse homes which serve 4,000 elders. And Susan Ryan serves as the CEO of the Center for Innovation, which is a nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and the Pioneer Network. Stay tuned, folks. Um, You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. 
Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. All who live face a time of passing. Is death the end, or will souls enter an afterlife? Have you ever wondered about historical figures and what they would say if they were alive today? Psychics and authors Barry and Connie Strom will use their gift of spirit communication to answer questions and channel spirits concerning the hereafter. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Barry and Connie Strom at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. We are talking to Susan Ryan, who's the CEO of the Center for Innovation, the nonprofit parent of the Greenhouse Project and Pioneer Network. They are leading the organization on its mission to fundamentally transform elder care in America and around the world. Welcome back, Susan. Uh, I know that you have a podcast and you're talking to amazing elders doing amazing things. And so I wanted you to share some stories. And, you know, I said this to you during the break. I think a lot of our people who are in show business or we're seeing it um, among our celebrities, we're seeing these role models now in movies. I mean, movies like 80 for Brady, movies like um, uh, The Book Club, where we see, you know, women and men who are older and they're vital and they're vibrant. And they're kind of paving the way for us to say, yeah, we can do it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And yeah, one of my greatest joys that kind of came as a result of COVID and trying to think about what we're going to do when the world shut down was to launch a podcast and it's called Elevate Elder Care. And I'll give you two or three segments or stories that I think stand out the most. One of them was with Dr. Edith Eager, and she's a now I think 94-year-old Holocaust survivor. And I had heard her actually on a Brene Brown podcast, and um, she was referencing her book. And so I got her book. It's called The Choice. And she really talks about what it was like to live in a concentration camp and to see her mother and father. Um, they unfortunately, you know, were sent off to the gas chambers. And the story of her and her sister and uh, the story of resilience and attitude and what she would later do to immigrate to the U.S. and become a psychologist. And her story is fascinating. And I read the book. I reached out to her and said, would you be willing to be my guest on on the show? And she has uh, written another book called The Gift and has kind of distilled her lessons learned. The insights that this woman has 
gained over her years, her tenure, it is just amazing to me. She is a beautiful soul, just inside and out. And just instead of saying, why me? She always would say, what's next? And her ability to kind of shift her perspective in the moment when she was experiencing horrific torture mm. and fear that she might lose her life to really be able to just look at things differently. She talks about self-love and, and self, self-love is not a bad, self-care is self-love and that's not a bad thing. Yes. I tell you, it is um, probably one of our most uh, listened to episodes. So yes. I would encourage people to listen to that because she, her lessons were incredible and I count it as one of my most favorite. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I have done many interviews with Holocaust survivors over the years and um, amazing. Um, Rena Gallison, who uh, was also uh, saved with her and it was called Rena's Promise. Her story was amazing. And she passed and a lot of them, a lot of our survivors have passed. But as you said, the resilience and the ability to believe in what the future can hold um, really um, makes a huge difference. Ellie Wiesel is another one. I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, there's, there's just so many um, pretty, pretty remarkable and I'm, I'm, and I think it's a testament to our attitude, no matter what age we're at. So, share another story of a with someone else. But sure. Yeah. So, um, Galen Wood is a, a woman who I interviewed. She's eighty years old and uh, has her own consulting business. She's had a remarkable career. She uh, lives in Point Roberts, Washington, which. Go look on a map. I had never heard of Point Roberts, Washington. You literally have to go through Canada to get to this appendage that hangs off um, the can, uh, Canadian coastline. But nevertheless, um, she too is just a beautiful soul. And uh, we met in context of Greenhouse. She wants to bring Greenhouse to her little community in Point Roberts, Washington. And what a force this woman is. Um, she does coaching with leaders, especially uh, women in leadership. She's um, been a part of creating assessments, and I'm just so in awe of her skill and her ability to just really keep the energy and keep the vibrancy and keep the contributions to others um, happening and really mentoring other female leaders. The other thing that I think is remarkable, she's well-traveled. And uh, she actually officiated at a, a wedding of her friends on one of the islands. I think it was Grenada, but I, I could be wrong. But uh, she went there, did scuba diving, and did all, all sorts of things. And this is a woman in her 80th year. And I'm just uh, so impressed by kind of what she does. And it there's really something about a mindset that is for positive aging, as we were talking earlier. And um and what that can do to really kind of create um, kind of a healthier aging experience as we grow older. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is also the myth around, you know, we have to retire at a certain age. You know, I mean, there are people that are working into their 70s, 80s, and even 90s. If you love what you do and it fuels you and it's your passion, then keep doing it. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. It's not about age. It's about ability. Right. Absolutely. I guess the last story that I'll, I'll share is the podcast episode that just went live. 
Um, and it is with Natalie Yates Bolton, who happens to be a professor of nursing in the UK. And she and her 80-year-old mom decided they would go on the Santi, um, Camino de Santiago. It's a pilgrim hike. And there it goes, I guess, uh, from France into uh, Spain. But they did the f- uh, French portion. And 32 miles in four days. They averaged about eight miles per day. Amazing. It is amazing. And it's not that they were staying in luxury accommodations. They were really staying. Um, there are people along the way that will host mm-hmm. the pilgrims. And they were the pilgrims. And they traveled with a little backpack. And they would stay very simply and eat with their host. And uh, their stories are amazing. Mm-hmm. The amount of peace, perspective that they gained along their journey is really just inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it really it really gave me a lot. I actually listened to it again this morning. And it gave me a lot to really ponder about simplicity and yes. how to slow life down and yeah. really be fully present in the moment yes. and to keep going on adventures no matter your age. Yes. And I was going to ask you for your closing thoughts, Susan. That really sounds like they are, but anything else you'd like to add that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I do think, you know, we've got to really get acquainted with our own ageist stigmas and stereotypes that not just limit how we see others as they are growing older and perhaps experiencing some frailty, but even with ourselves. And, you know, we can have this kind of declining view. Well, you know, growing older isn't for sissies. I mean, all the slogans that are out there are very ageist. And I think there's so much wisdom. There's so much growth that is available. And the more we have a mindset that is ready to embrace those opportunities, and you kind of said it in when you were talking about uh, your show that you do, it, it really struck me, you know, th- let's seize the opportunities that are there. Let's really, truly live fully present in the moment and not limit ourselves by beliefs or in what we can or we can't do. Thank you so much, Susan. How can people find The Greenhouse Project and you? Sure. We are thegreenhouseproject.org, all lowercase. And uh, you'll, you can find out more about the Pioneer Network there as well and the work of Center for Innovation. And the podcast is on the greenhouseproject.org. Yes, you can find the podcast there as well as on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, where you find your podcasts. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the program. It was inspirational and it was wonderful to work with you and interview you. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Patricia. I look forward to ongoing opportunities. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Network. Um, You can find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com if you'd like a copy of my newsletter so you can see all these wonderful guests we have on each week. And also, if you're looking to get your positive message out, I've interviewed over 5,000 people in my career, and I really love helping people do that, getting out that positive messaging. So do contact me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'm on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources, and LinkedIn, and other social media as well. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.